0: Welcome to this week's episode of the People Podcast. Are you in human resources, recruiting professionally, or an entrepreneur growing a team? This is the podcast for you. We are going to bring you all of the latest trends, technologies, and strategies to take your workforce to the next level. Implementing the tips and know-how will enable you to create and keep a world-class workforce. Here is your host, Jesse Tinsley.
1: This week's episode is sponsored by Uflex Reward. UFlex Reward is a real-time digital reward system that combines fragmented reward data into a single dashboard. UFlex Reward enables you to digitize, consolidate, and review the entire reward ecosystem and inspire employees by facilitating the flexibility to personalize the reward package according to their individual needs, all while saving on administrative costs. Complete oversight into your reward data, which is often fragmented between international branches and technology, can be achieved in minutes rather than days or weeks, enabling accurate workforce analytics and forecasting, mobility calculations, benchmarking, pay review, reward policy formulation, and pay reporting compliance. Find out more at uflexreward.com. Ken, Peter, thanks so much for joining me on the People Podcast.
2: Thanks for inviting us.
3: Yeah, nice to be here, Jesse.
1: Yeah, of course. Pleasure is all mine. And just to get started, uh, Ken, can you give me a quick overview of your background? And then Peter, can you do the same?
2: Yeah, Ken Charman. I'm the CEO of a new company that Unilever set up. It's been going now for about 10 months. We supply a total reward system, which was developed in-house by Unilever, now available to other companies. But my background is in enterprise IT. I know I sound young, but I'm actually really old. I'm 63 years old. And I've done five liquidity events, one IPO, uh, four trade sales, mainly in financial consolidation, reporting and forecasting systems, This is my first venture into HR, and I've learned everything about HR and reward from Peter Newhouse, who's up next.
3: (laughs) Well, thanks for that, Ken. Yeah, so I'm Peter Newhouse. I am a serial reward expert. That doesn't make me a bad person. Uh, For the last 10 years, I've been Unilever's global head of reward. But before that, I've had a long career with reward in various companies, also consultancies, all that kind of thing. So reward is really my exciting uh, insight into the world of business.
1: That's great. And, and for those of us that aren't familiar with like total rewards, what does that mean from like a corporate, like a company standpoint? Like maybe explain that a little bit. Just like the Yeah, term sure.
3: And, so, I mean, sure. we used to call it compensation, but it's such a terrible word, you know, and remuneration in the UK, even worse. So rewards is a much better way of describing what's in it for people to work for a company, especially a big company like Unilever, where you've got a variety of financial and non-financial benefits from being an employee. And we tend to call all of that reward, uh, but we definitely focus more on the financial side of things than anything else. So really my bit is very much the financial systems, the incentive plans, share schemes, salary systems, benefit programs, all that kind of stuff that goes with being an employee. That's great. And and Ken, what are you guys working on at
1: UFLEX Reward? Specifically, like what's what's on the agenda for 2020 and and beyond?
2: Yeah, so Peter just reeled off a, a bunch of different systems there, where the reward for an individual—if you imagine yourself, Jesse—you get, you know, maybe if you worked in a big company, you get a paycheck, and and it all looks really neat and tidy, doesn't it? There's your there's your salary, there's your bonus, there's a pension contribution you might imagine that all that stuff all resides in one place. And you're probably imagining it's all in your HRIS, it's in Workday or something. So it's really easy for the company to generate that. In fact, in a big global multinational, uh, which is spread in 130 countries like Unilever, and there's lots of big companies around as complex as that, that data resides in a number of different payrolls, probably, another of different pension administration schemes, you're running benefit schemes, you've probably got several benefit suppliers. Actually, what you got there is like a data zoo, a real mess of data spread all around the world, all in different cages. And if you want as an organization to be able to see it in one place and point to any employee and say, what does that person cost or what does that person get rewarded and have the full breakdown, that has to be consolidated in nearly every other company in the world, that's a manual process. At some point, it gets manual. Somebody's extracting data and sticking it in a spreadsheet in, in the you know the old godforsaken way. Actually, at Unilever, because it felt this was so important, uh, Peter invested quite a bit of Unilever's money in developing a system to automate all that. And we now do that in real time. Every employee in the world in Unilever. Sits in this system, they can all look up exactly what they're being paid, and we can provide management with the data for them to analyze the people cost spend. That is what we do. We're a consolidation system for reward. Uh, And if you talk to most people who work in HR and reward and IT, they'll say that's like an impossible task because these systems are so separate. They were never designed to integrate, but over a period of a couple of years, we found the way to do it. And now what Uflex Reward is doing is making that service available to other organizations. And right now, it's something they, they really need. If they're going to preserve their workforce, if they're going to cope with the economic pressures of something like COVID and with all the scenario planning they're doing to see how they cope with the different challenges, which nobody can predict, which are going to come their way, you really need to get a big grasp on your people cost. And I'm afraid to say that in most companies, because they can't consolidate that quickly, really what they're doing is using salary, basic comp as a proxy. So about 25, 30% of what they invest in reward doesn't show up when they're looking at restructuring, cost saving measures, the really big decisions that are going to affect millions of people. It's being decided on partial data, but not at Unilever, because we can see everything. So that's what we do. We're making it available to other companies via a spin-out. And whenever we talk to clients, um, we get this sort of look on their face like, that's impressive. Um, But how did an ice cream company come up with that? So we have to explain the backstory. And then you can see them thinking, how can I explain to IT we need to buy software from Unilever? So then we have to come up with a way to de-risk that whole thing of buying enterprise software. A high-risk enterprise itself, uh, because not many projects come in on time and on budget. The way we've, we're approaching this, Jesse, is to allow clients complete freedom to build a test system at our cost to verify and validate everything we say before they sign a contract. So not only we've we got a new type of product for HR uh, users, we've got a whole new way of bringing enterprise IT to the market, which is completely open, honest, and evidence-based, that I think is going to shake things up too. So busy year ahead for me uh, is the answer to your question, but but that's what we're up to. That's great. And Peter, anything to add? Well, I mean,
3: you may ask, why did we do that? Um, and I think that would be uh, a good trip down memory lane for me, you know, reminding myself why why we did all that. And uh, about 10 years ago, when I joined Unilever, I've leafed through the annual report and accounts. And like with many report and accounts at the back, there's a little note which tells you how much uh, the total employment cost is. And so I could see that Unilever was spending about six and a half billion euros a year on the pay of its employees. And I thought, wow, that's amazing. That's a huge number. How is that money spent? You know, what value are we getting from that spend? But there was no answer to either of those questions, neither how did we spend the money, you know, nor were we getting any value out of it. So I inherited a project, which was a total reward statement. And I thought, it's incredibly boring. What a boring project to have to do. Because, of course, you collect all that information, you give people a statement, and within a couple of days, it's out of date. And you have to do the whole thing all over again the next year. So instead of doing it in that manual way, we decided that we would try to do it by automating the process of collecting the information, displaying it to people. And that's what we did. And that was the origin of this whole thing, creating a total reward statement. Then we thought, well, if we've got everybody's individual statement, we could aggregate the whole lot up and we could really work out how we were spending the money. Then we added one more dimension, which was feedback. We said, well, You know, if we're going to ask people what, you know, if we're going to show them what they get paid, why don't we ask them whether they're satisfied with it? And then we could get some really useful feedback because we'd get a bit of an insight into whether we're getting value out of the spend, whether people perceive it as being useful. So we did all of that and we carried on developing the system into an administrative and management tool that gave us incredible insights into what it was that we were doing in the world of pay. And just to give you a little flavour of how complicated that is, you know, we've got, let's say, more than 150,000 people. On average, they all have at least 10 components to their pay, so that's 1.5 million bits of pay information. And they're all moving against each other in three dimensions. There's level within the organisation, there's location in terms of where they're actually being paid, there's currency, and there's time. You know, so you add all that up and you've got something like 6 million variables. And we managed to put all of that into a system where we can manage reward and see what people are getting paid uh, you know, for anyone from anywhere. And that's been pretty exciting.
1: Yeah, that's great. And I think you guys really touched on an important part right now that's kind of going on, especially in everything HR tech in general. Open APIs is a huge thing in siloed data. In general and and definitely with automation picking up steam especially this year with everything that's going on um it sounds like you guys really onto something so that's great how do you guys think through like outside of like software how do you guys think empiric? i guess the question for you peter like through total rewards i think there's been a lot of emphasis on that in general lately from a multitude of different things but yeah how is unilever thinking through total like compensation and rewards overall
3: yeah, a lot of our thinking has been um, to encourage people to have more interaction with their pay. You know, the old fashioned way of doing pay was very much to tell you what I want to, want you to know, and i give you what I think you're worth. And I really don't want to discuss it with you, because uh, that's a bit awkward. And we really just don't want to talk about it at all. So we don't really want to know what you think about it. We don't want any feedback. But I think a much more modern approach, which we've been adopting in Unilever, is to have more choice, more interaction, more feedback. I mean, fortunately, Unilever is a consumer products company. And the way that uh, we've been thinking about pay is very much as a consumer product. You know, you consume pay. Managers use pay as a kind of a customer, you know, for you as a consumer. And we need to get feedback. We'd never put any product on the shelf without some kind of an idea of what customers feel about it. And so, therefore, the consumer's point of view is something that we've been trying to adopt. And the key to the consumer's point of view is, firstly, feedback. We need to understand what people think about it. And the second thing is choice, you know, that you actually should be given more choice to interact with the way that you get paid. And that might change the kinds of things that we offer you uh, because we want you to feel that your pay is valuable to you rather than something that you simply have to accept as what we give you. Yeah, that's great. Thanks for sharing it. So Peter, um, I guess question a follow question is that
1: in terms of like remote work pay, that's been a big topic lately that a lot of companies are planning on like adjusting pay. Does Unilever have any plans to basically one first question would be have like permanent remote work for a certain subset of the work, the workforce with everything that's going on in the world with COVID-19. And then a follow-up question to that is then how does that affect pay for those employees if they're in different uh, areas that are cheaper cost of living? Just curious.
3: Yeah, sure. I mean, there's two aspects to that. One is that we were already quite a long way down the road in terms of flexible working. And so it's not been so difficult for us to adapt to a world where people don't go into the office because we've already had that capability for a lot of people. You know, we have this little phrase saying that, um, you know, flexibility in working patterns means that you can work anytime from anywhere. That doesn't mean you work everywhere all the time. That's not the approach. But that flexibility to choose where you work from and have the technology to enable you to do it is very much part of the way we do things. Underneath that, the more recent trend, of course, has been agile ways of working. And that is a much uh, less hierarchical, uh, more project-based uh, collaborative exercise in how you approach the work that needs to be done. And we've also made quite a bit of progress on that. You put those two things together. And I think what you need, again, is a lot more flexibility, less structure and hierarchy, more individual choice in order to generate some more flexibility and agility in the way that work gets done. And that's the path that we've been going down. And I think all companies have had to accelerate that because of COVID. And, you know, some are better at it than others. I think we've all had our eyes open to the possibility that work could be done in ways that we didn't really believe would be possible just a a few months ago. Uh, But we've all had to do it through necessity. But I think the interesting thing is, well, what comes next after this?
2: Yeah, if I can just add something to what Peter said. So, Peter, we hear a lot of future of work and flexible contracts, metered pay, the demise of rigid job descriptions. so that the job catalogues that you might load in something like Workday are not so useful, departing from grading structures. This is what big companies want. They want to behave more like a startup or an agile company can have all that flexibility. And if you are a technologist like me, you are thinking that's really cool. You know who who wouldn't want to work in a company like that? But actually, on the other hand, I am thinking, yeah, but these are the registers, these are the indexes that we use to organise a database. So now, what you are describing here, Mister Newhouse, is like data anarchy uh, because you can make up any package you want for somebody, and in, in fact, you could because Peter does things like this, you could say, well, this person here, I want them to be a marketing person three days a week, an accountant one day a week, and maybe on their fifth day, they want to be learning some new skills. So why should I pay them the same each day? Um, We can come to an arrangement which reflects their skills, their stage of development, what they're actually doing as a hybrid of work. So that was the challenge that we got set for this system. So we can cope with that, yeah? We can cope with... 165,000 different job descriptions, if you want, or different packages. We can still do the normal, you know, grading system, salary bands and benefits all related to that. We still do that. But we also open up the door to this complete flexibility. And if you're going to meet your regulatory requirements in things in terms of very topical subjects, in terms of pay equity, if you're going to show that people – from different backgrounds and profiles, gender, ethnicity, receiving the same pay and the same opportunity for doing the same work and that 's really much harder if you haven't got those rigid job descriptions there anymore, but that was how we we designed the system with that in mind to begin with and and if I can just give you a clue as to how you can do that basically you if you want to see what all the people with this range of skills, not these jobs, but this range of skills are being paid at the moment, then your query um, puts in that profile. It could be the profile I just said, a mix of marketing, accounting, bit of IT, bit of project management. You could say, show me everybody who's this age um, across the whole organization who's got that skills mix, and the report you get back actually defines the pay for that profile a person. So you're going to have a top, a bottom and a middle, and then you can compare it with the group that you've got back. You can see if there's any patterns in there to emerge that shows that there's a bias in that system. So it's very unstructured, but you still need to give it structure, but behind the scenes. That's what Unilever have got here, which I think a lot of other companies would like They're being forced down that direction to give employees the experience and the reward they want, but I'm not sure they've got the data organization behind it to cope with that. And the way we've designed this is actually that many companies can use the same system. It's probably multi-tenant. So actually, once we've got a bunch of companies on here, your query could give you Instant benchmarking across a universe of companies for people with those skills. So now you can kind of obviously you're anonymizing and protecting the data, but now you can compare across uh, sector, across geographies, across companies, something which is a, a one off concoction of what a job is. But that is really mind
1: <laughs> yeah that's great i think you touched on a really interesting point from the perspective of just pay equality not that we're going to go down this path too heavily um but i think one of the big things has been like pay disparity in the workplace for different underlying factors and obviously this at a global massive scale uh it can be easy to kind of get lost in translation with all the different siloed systems that you were talking about um and all the different countries and offices and and denominations of pay yeah that's that's fascinating points um Peter, anything to add to that?
3: Yeah, I think this is a big issue. And it's a big issue that can't be solved by structure alone. You know, plenty of companies who've got very rigid grades and job descriptions and all this sort of stuff. And some people think that that gives them some sort of a guarantee that they won't be delivering unfair pay, inequitable pay. But there's no guarantee in that whatsoever. Because, of course, if you misclassify a role or a position or a person then you run into the same difficulty. Even better if we embrace the challenge of trying to do this thing without so much structure. Um, So the question becomes the other way around. Why do these people get paid differently? Why do these people get paid the same? What is it about what it is that they're doing that is similar or different? And I think that's a much more challenging question and one that can only be answered through advanced use of technology, and that's definitely the way to go rather than, Having rigid structure. Most companies these days want to have a lot more flexibility in the way that work gets done. And in order to accommodate that flexibility, we have to use technology to understand what we're doing.
1: Yeah. Question follow up on that. What is your system doing in terms of like, is it automating certain aspects of like compensation teams so you could be more effective or what's Obviously, it's going to streamline some of the process. So you probably need a smaller team, but I'm curious if that's kind of the, the game plan there.
3: Well, I think the the main thing it does is it raises the the level of the work to much more analytics. You know, so we're able to deliver the nuts and bolts of the reward function with more automation. You know, so we've got data, we've got speed, we've got automation. But of course, all that does is to enable you to do more valuable work. And the more valuable work is more analytical. It actually provides more flexibility. And then we can see if some of this flexibility results in greater employee satisfaction or indeed better productivity in the business and better results. And that's really the name of the game.
2: Yeah. Just to add to that, exactly what Peter said. There is a lot of routine administration in reward. There's an annual cycle of events, so there's like the pay review, there's benchmarking, there's working out mobility packages for people who go on international assignments. These are largely administrative but quite complex things to do. We've introduced a lot of automation and efficiencies to those. So in terms of HR making business cases, actually those savings are – direct, they're 100%, they're recurring. um, And it's from those savings that we say, right, that's the cost justification for the system. Accountants understand that, you know, those people don't work for us anymore. That was a a attributable cost saving. But when we come to workforce planning or scenario planning, or uh, working out what kind of bonus scheme might motivate people well, that's less tangible that you still need the data for it but it's it's hard to prove that your system was the thing that led to that benefit. But you need the data. So anywhere where you need data which refers to reward, now in Unilever, there's only one source you go to for it. So whether it's HR analytics, whether it's finance, whether it's anybody you all go to that single source of data, so we, it's a data service that we're supplying. so on the one side you've got data you've got business efficiencies generating cost savings. on the other side, we're supplying data across the organisation to people who are then using it for purposes we don't even know about. but what we do know is that they now have accurate and full data on reward, which is after all the biggest class of expenditure in the p and l it's the biggest cost for most companies.
3: And the most amazing thing, Jesse, is that most companies you know, manage pay without any of that information, without any of that capability to analyze, without very much data. It's all driven by opinions. And that isn't ideal. You really do want to have some feedback and real data from people. And you actually want to be able to analyze what it is that you're actually spending on pay. So astonishingly, uh, the world of reward is is sort of locked in a bit of a cul-de-sac of the past from which it needs to emerge. And it's only through technology like the technology Ken is describing and has developed that you can escape from that cul-de-sac.
1: Yeah, I think HR analytics is a huge growing space that in recruiting analytics in in general the last couple of years, it's definitely behind the, the curve in terms of technology compared to other markets like marketing analytics or sales analytics that have been around for a much, much longer period of time. So definitely a fast growing space. Ken, what trends are you guys seeing? Obviously, you guys have a bunch of data. What trends are you seeing in in total like rewards? What are some of like the top benefits uh, that, that employees are requesting based off like surveys that you guys are doing through your product? Yeah, I'm curious to hear some of those trends and in, in the data.
2: Well, I, actually, I'm gonna pass the microphone back to Peter, but not not before saying, I think one of the most interesting things we did was to what Peter asked us to build a system which he called Ultraflex. Which gave employees the ability to not just choose from a range of benefits, such as, I don't know, kindergarten vouchers and a bike loan or something, not just a narrow range of benefits, but across the whole of pay, yeah, across the whole of reward. So, if you, in theory, our system could say, don't take any pension. I need all my money this year because my partner no longer has a job and we got to pay our bills. And on a slider, you can move anything across reward from one place to another. That's fascinating. That's that really cool. Interesting experiment. If you can do something like that, you already are turning the whole of reward on its head and you've got to run it as an experiment first. But this was Peter's idea, so I'm passing it back to you, Peter.
1: Peter, that's a fantastic idea, by the way. <laughs> if I congratulate you and it may Well, Yeah,
3: thankfully. Um, I mean I do think that's the future of reward. I mean I think the the reality is that reward is designed to motivate people to improve performance. That should be the whole point of paying people, you know, so that they can develop themselves and they can contribute to an organization and they can, you know, get something out of it. But the reality is that we don't know very much about motivation. The person who knows the most about motivation is yourself. You know what motivates you. You know what pisses you off. You know what makes you feel good about stuff. And so if we put more power into the hands of the individual to select those pieces of pay that motivate them the most, we're almost inevitably going to cut out waste on money that's spent on pay that isn't actually valuable to the individual. So that feedback, that choice, that interaction should lead people to the point where they can have much more control over what it is that they get paid, how they get paid. And that, of course, makes reward completely different to the Systems of the past, and that's really what I'm particularly interested in
2: developing. Yeah, me too, Jesse. Just get your brain around this one then. So, why does reward run in 12 month cycles? Why is it running one month cycles? Yeah, who invented the calendar anyway? Yeah, so you know, and did they do us a favor when they made us think in this rigid timeline? So, I work for Unilever, but I've worked in startups and added this up for about 16 years of my 40 odd year career, I didn't get any pay because we were either working for nothing or putting money in. And then we had a big payday. And that motivated me to work really hard and be really creative. But in big global organisations, that's generally not the pattern of a reward package. But it could be. Yeah, So you could come up with a deal where you said to people, well, Just take a really low basic because you're working on something innovative and the company makes a promise to, if you hit your targets, pay you a multiple of that, maybe in two years or three years time. Why can't we have really creative ways of looking at pay as the innovative startups do? And to give you a living, breathing example... Uflex Reward, this company, one hundred percent owned by Unilever, is like that. Yeah, we belong to Unilever. We report up through all Unilever's reporting structures. We're in the pay because the audits and everything, but we're not in the grading structure. And everybody in Uflex rewards small company, it's a startup Everybody gets a net amount of pay, and then they can spend it on what they want. And if somebody wanted to say to me, Ken, I don't want anything this year, but would you give me one point two five times what I gave up this year next year? I'd I'd think about it yeah I would think well that's brave that's risky you know why don't you you shine a good spirit big organizations if they want to attract the complete profile of humanity including the great innovators creative risk takers have got to have the straitjacket of rigid pay that we've talked about removed so that they can do these things so yep that's what we've done and Within Unilever, we have to do it as an experiment to begin with because you've got people who've grown up with the security and familiarity of the orthodox way of doing pay. But even in this experiment, we found that people were willing to – I think the main change that people – what we discovered in the experiment was younger people wanted to take more of their pay as fixed and older people who you know built up their savings and felt more financially secure – opted to take more as their payers variable. I think that was that a kind of cliche.
3: A fair summary. And I think it's, you know, these things change over time. You know, it's not a constant, you know, your life changes, your circumstances change. And with that change in your circumstances, it would be really helpful if you could have some flexibility about how you take your reward because things that you value at one time are not necessarily the things that work for you at another time. And giving people that opportunity is really what it's all about.
1: Yeah, I think individualized and, and customized um, like reward packages is makes a lot of sense, just given that it sounds like the old school train of thought was basically, we can create the best benefits rewards packages for what's best for all of our employees. But obviously, there's certain subset that are going to want X, whether it's more equity or a bonus or different types of compensation that others wouldn't. And so I think being able to customize that to each individual person makes a a ton of sense. Ken, Peter, it's been great having you guys on the podcast. In closing, what's the best way for people to reach out to you guys if they want to learn more about your guys' product or yourselves in general?
2: Well, if I can... Send you a website link. And anybody can go on our website and download a really good five minute video, which is what we presented to the Unilever executive board on what the product does, the benefits Unilever shareholders paid for to develop this system, and it gives a really good three hundred and sixty overview of the system. And I think that's probably the best way if somebody's interested to get a bit more data. And after that, then we'd just be, we'd just love to have a conversation.
3: Yep, sounds good to me. So Google Ken Charman, Google Peter Newhouse, Google UFlex Reward. We're no more than two clicks away.
1: <laughs> awesome. Yeah, you can put it in the show notes. And, and thanks so much
3: for joining me. really appreciate it. Right. Thank you very much, Jesse. <laughs> thank you very much. Bye-bye.
0: This week's episode has now come to an end, but our content doesn't end here. Head over to jessetinsley.com where you can find more valuable resources to hire and keep the ultimate workforce. That's jessetinsley.com.